Are you ready for scripture, everyone? Oh boy, are we going to get to know you more. Good morning and welcome everyone. Spirit Mornings on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Bruce McGregor as we go seeking truth. And uh, delighted to welcome Sharon Doran here this morning. Sharon! Oh, wow, wow, thank you, thank you. Good morning, Bruce. And good morning to you as well. A uh, cloud of witnesses there. I just kind of want to set the table, Sharon, that uh, you have graciously consented to join us uh, every other Thursday, and it's a couple of times a month here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are going to be breaking open scripture for everybody. And uh, of course, uh, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Uh, we heard St. Jerome <laughs> That's right. He has uh, many quotable quotes in there as well. So uh, by way of introduction, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, the journey that we are going to be embarking on here? Well, Bruce, Scripture is about my very favorite thing to talk about. And uh, my dad used to sit in his rocker chair and read his Bible incessantly, and I would watch him. And uh, I just love God's Word. And the reason I love it is because the Word is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word. And so when you study Scripture, you're getting to know Christ. And that's why I love that song, I want to know you, I want to, I want to see you, I want to touch you. And when you have that Scripture in your hand, that living Word that's living and active, you really get to know the Lord, and I love it. All right. And of course, uh, Sharon has a beautiful uh, website. It's called SeekingTruth.net. So we want all of you to write that down now and uh, reference that uh, often. And uh, Sharon, uh, let's let's open by talking a little bit about uh, the mission statement of uh, the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Maybe just about the Bible study itself, too, because you've got one going on now here in the Archdiocese. Yes, it's brand new for the Archdiocese of Omaha. And I was teaching an ecumenical study, actually, for six and a half years. And uh, Peter Kennedy from the Evangelization Office came in and saw it one time. And um, I'm also a graduate student um, working on a master's in sacred scripture at the Augustine Institute. And we have a mutual friend in Dr. Tim Gray who also taught Peter. And I think uh, Dr. Gray put a bug in Peter's ear like, why is this woman not teaching a Catholic Bible study? And that truly uh, deepest desire of my heart was to tell the fullness of the truth. And I love and I, I love doing it Catholic. And so uh, when Peter came to me along with Father Gutowski and invited me in to talk and asked if, if I would, would help get this going in Omaha, it was an absolute honor and privilege to say, yes, I will. I would love to. So uh, that was a year ago, and now we have about 260 registered members. Uh, 33 people join us from a nine-state region via computer. Uh, We thought, let's claim this computer back for Mm -hmm. good things. And uh, that was with no advertisement and a couple novenas with Father Gutowski and Peter just discerning and praying where the Lord would would take this thing. But what we are obviously seeing is a hunger for Scripture among Catholic laity, and it has been— wonderful and beautiful and so exciting to be part of it. Well, we've been feeling that hunger here. And uh, again, uh, thanks and praise God to you for uh, answering the call to uh, give of your very (laughs) busy, busy life 
um, as well to uh, come in on these Thursdays and share scripture with us. Um, our Archbishop, George Lucas, uh, the Archdiocese of Omaha, uh, had some uh, comments over the summer uh, about scripture and the study of scripture and uh, really it's important. So uh, let's share a couple of those too because our shepherd knows that of which he speaks. Yes, he. Uh, I'm going to read a couple quotes from the Catholic Voice on June 16th uh, where Archbishop Lucas said, God himself is the author of sacred scripture and he inspires human writers to express eternal truths in human language. There's really one truth expressed in the Bible, and that's a person, Jesus Christ, the living Word of God. And every time we read or hear the words of Scripture, we should not only expect to learn something, but also to meet someone. Becoming more familiar with the Bible means we are getting to know Jesus better. It's that simple, and it's that challenging. Isn't that wonderful from our shepherd? And can I read one more? Absolutely. He says, God is addressing the word of salvation to you, to each of us. Our Catholic faith is rooted firmly in the sacred scriptures. I urge you to read the scriptures prayerfully, calling on the help of the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to join many of your fellow Catholics in a more formal study of the Bible in the coming months. Your life will be richer, your faith will be stronger, and your relationship with Jesus will be better. Amen. Amen, Amen to, that. to that. Absolutely. Thank you, Archbishop. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, the popes have constantly, uh, throughout time, spoken of uh, Scripture. Uh, Pius the Tenth and uh, Benedict the Fifteenth. Yeah, I mean, you know, way back, um, Pius X said, the more we read the gospel, the stronger our faith becomes. And Benedict XV, for one desire of all the church's children, is is that being saturated with the Bible, they may arrive at the all-surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. So uh, regardless of what Catholics think, we have been encouraged to study Scripture throughout the ages. Uh, but I am finding that many Catholics in our study uh, say they haven't opened a Bible for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe they went all the way through Catholic school and never, ever open the scriptures. And so they are devouring, uh, and they're and they're just, it's just beautiful. And we're starting our study with John's gospel, which is an incredible place to start because John really wants to show us the humanity of Jesus Christ as well as his divinity. And it's just a beautiful place to get to know Jesus. Right, and a couple of great friends of uh, Spirit Catholic Radio, of course, uh, Dr. Scott Hahn and Mark Shea mm. uh, uh, participated in this uh, really multi-layered uh, study that uh, we're going to get going on here. Right. We're using a study published by Catholic Scripture Study International. And like you said, um, Han, Dr. Han and Mark Shea authored that. And it's so multi-layered. And uh, their points to ponder in the commentaries are just, they've just been so rich in the Catholic tradition. Okay, and uh, will we also be uh, dabbling in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, yes, perhaps? Yes, because it's just, I, I also find that uh, many of us are poorly catechized, and we need to go back, and uh, Pope John Paul gave us the most incredible gift when he gave us this new Catholic Catechism, and I hope every Catholic family has a copy, and I hope it doesn't just sit on the shelf. I That's hope right. you pull it out. Whenever I have a question, I go to that Catechism, look in the index, find the answer, and that's what we're doing at our Bible study, too, when questions come up, because we want to stay in line with church teaching, and it's all in there. Let me read you uh, one quote from the Catechism at number 133. Article 133 says, The Church forcefully and specifically exhorts all the Christian faithful to learn the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ by frequent reading of the divine scriptures. And then the quote from Jerome, Ignorance of the scriptures is ignorance of Christ. So the Church has encouraged the faithful, and the Catholic Church is steeped in scripture, and the Catholic Church guarded and protected the scriptures throughout the ages. 
And so, um, yes, we, we use the catechism in conjunction because we always want to know what the magisterium, how they interpret Scripture. As, as we know, there are over 58,000 different Protestant denominations now mm-hmm. all interpreting Scripture in a different way. So what a wonderful guardian of Scripture the Church has been, never adding to, but always shamaring the garden, always protecting the sacred Scriptures, and what a gift that is, and, and how the Church has helped us through the ages interpret the Scriptures and the Church Fathers. I turn to them quite frequently. What did they say? And uh, boy, they were pretty smart back yes, then. Yes, they were. <laughs> and they, they didn't have Google. Their brilliance shines <laughs> forth even to today. So That's so, right. It's great. Well, Sharon, we are uh, really, really looking forward to this. Well, we're going to uh, do an overview of John's Gospel because uh, each uh, year brings a new study. Mm-hmm. Uh, John is uh, the one this time around. And uh, maybe we'll just uh, open here by telling us a little bit about uh, John, also known as the beloved disciple, and uh, John the Evangelist. That's right. He's He was so young. He was the youngest of the disciples. And oftentimes in Scripture, it says the one Jesus loved. And I like to use a lot of artwork because our Catholic Church has a treasure of artwork. And uh, if you're a visual learner, that can really help. In the art, we see John being very young and very fair, uh, no facial hair. Um, you know, he just, he, he, you can see that he's young. And uh, I love Da Vinci's Last Supper where he's oh, lying yeah. on the chest of Christ. And uh, he just loved the Lord and he wanted to take it all in and be with him. And his brother is James and their father, Zebedee, was a fisherman. I think he was quite successful. They had their own, uh, probably their own fishing boat and his mother's salami. I love in uh, Matthew's gospel where Mrs. Zebedee comes uh, to Jesus. And it's in uh, Matthew 20. And the mother of Zebedee's sons comes to Jesus with her sons. And she kneels down to Jesus and asks a favor of him. What is it you want? He said. And she said, grant that my two sons may sit at your right and at your left. And of course, she had no idea what she was asking the Lord. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Oh, we can, we can, they said. And Jesus said, oh, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant, for those places have been prepared by my Father. And so you can just see this Jewish mother coming with these two two sons, James and John, and they get nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. Uh-huh. Uh, and they don't, of course, know what they're asking, but uh, can you drink of this cup? And James will be the first one to be martyred of the Twelve. And so James did drink of that cup, that heavy, heavy cup, cost him his head by King Herod. We get that account in Acts. And uh, so uh, they didn't know at the time what they were asking, but uh, time will reveal that uh, following Christ was not going to be easy. Yeah, Sons of Thunder, I love that. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, Sharon, uh, maybe introduce our apostolic fathers and uh, the means by uh, which each one died. And I mean, this was, uh, this was a real thing at that point in well, time. you know, Christ tells us to pick up our cross daily and mm-hmm. follow him. And so these guys, you just have to, you know, do you really, really want to be apostle? Do you really want to be one who follows Christ? Because if you do, uh, there will be some cost involved. That's, that's for sure. Philip uh, was one of the apostles. He was crucified in 52 AD. We know from Acts 8 that he went to Samaria and uh, preached the gospel. Thomas in 52 is going to have a lance run through him. He'll be martyred. Matthew is going to be slain by the sword in Ethiopia in 60 AD. James the Lesser is going to be thrown from the pinnacle and beaten to death around 60 AD. Jude, also called Thaddeus, is going to be shot to death with arrows in 72 AD. Simon the Zealot will be crucified in 74 AD. Andrew will be bound to death 
and he'll preach until he dies in 74 AD. Bartholomew, also called Nathaniel in John's Gospel, he is flayed and beheaded. He's skinned alive, and there's wow. so much artwork of him. Magnificat last month had a, uh, several pictures of Bartholomew being skinned alive for Christ. And so John is the only one, with the exception of Judas, who hung himself, we know from Matthew's Gospel. But John is the only one not to die a martyr's death. He's banished to the island of Patmos, thank goodness for us, because that's where he writes the book of Revelation. And uh, we also know that Jesus entrusts the care of his own mother to John in John 21. And uh, so it's just, uh, uh, you know, if you want to be an apostle, if you want to be a Christ follower, it's probably going to cost you something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And John, uh, marvelous, like you say, uh, the only one not to die a martyr's death, stayed at the foot of the cross along Mm -hmm. with our blessed mother when uh, everyone else scattered. And and from the cross, Jesus entrusts Mary to John. That's right. That's right. Think of the stories and the conversations those two must have had. Mm -hmm. I mean, John does have a lot of depth and a lot of theology. Uh, Cana, we'll go to Cana in John 2, and we'll see a beautiful dialogue between Mary and Jesus. And uh, John gives us that. He's the only one that tells us that account. So I think John does have some um, very great insights when it comes to Mary. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, Sharon, uh, the Catholic Church, uh, primo scriptura, not sola scriptura. Uh, That's right. This is a big differentiation here, and uh, how does John help us to understand that? You know, I like uh, how he ends his gospel, John 21, and and it says in verse 24, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down, and we know that his testimony is true. He's talking of himself there, John the Evangelist. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would contain them, that would be written. And so you can't put God, although the Word of God is God and it reveals Jesus to us, God is so big and He reveals Himself in so many ways to us, through prayer, through the sacraments, through creation, through the moral law that He's inscribed on our hearts, through other people that are full of the Holy Spirit. So while Scripture is of primo significance, and and I I will quote um, Catechism number Article 125, where it says, the Gospels are the heart of all the Scriptures because they are our principal source for the life and teaching of the incarnate Word, our Savior. So the Church gives Gospels Um, prominence of all the scripture, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then John tells us himself that I couldn't write everything down about this man. And I think if I were to write my diary, and uh, my kids found it after I died, and they read my little diary, that wouldn't tell everything there was about me. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't be contained on a few pages. So while the scripture helps us know God, it's inerrant, it's beautiful, it's a word, uh, it's just, it's it's still, it's not everything. So in the Catholic Church, scripture is held its primary, primo importance, but it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. It's not solo. We are not solo scriptura. so I, I, John helps me understand that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out here, too, that uh, really, uh, when it comes to Scripture and everything, the Catholic Church assembled the Bible. That's right. That's right. Preserved it. It was such an oral culture, and for the first 200, 300 years until the Bible was compiled. Another thing I love about our Catholic faith is we take the entirety of the Bible. The, it's, it's a unified book, and all the books are different literary forms and different authors, but they are all inspired by the same Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we, so even though we'll be studying John this year, we are all over the Bible, and uh, because Jesus is on every page. Augustine says, uh, Lord, give us eyes to see your presence in the Hebrew Scriptures. 
For in the Old Testament, the new is concealed, and in the New Testament, the old is revealed. And so we really are seeing the fulfillment of Christ on every page. And and, and so we're going to just be all over the Bible, and that's a Catholic way to take the whole Bible in unity. Mm-hmm. Now, and one of the things, too, we want to point out here, we'll give you a little uh, sidebar things here and there, but uh, Gary Machuda uh, wrote a wonderful book called Why Catholic Bibles Are Bigger. Mm, and mm. Uh, so if you want to find out a little more about some of the uh, primo scriptura that uh, Sharon's talking about, uh, that might be a, a good reference and a good point for uh, people to jump to as well. Right, because uh, people say, well, the Catholics have seven extra books. Well, no, the Protestants have six, seven less books right. and that were removed following different canons. But our uh, scriptures are the ones the apostles would have used uh, coming from the Greek Septuagint, that canon that contained those seven books. We never um, added books. They were there. Mm-hmm. So um, what a treasure. What an absolute treasure the church has preserved and guarded over the centuries. You bet. Um, now, we're going to give a little catechesis as we go along here. And uh, catechesis, of course, is uh, you know a, a teaching kind of thing. Uh, you know, we hear a lot of different words, uh, you know, uh, revolving around Scripture and everything. Uh, one of the words that comes up is synoptics. Mm. So let's uh, maybe as a jumping off point here, explain what the synoptics are sure. and uh, how John might be different than that. Sure. I am taking, uh, right now I'm taking a, a class called the Synoptic Gospels. So that's that's good. Synoptics it means see together in the Greek, synoptic, see together. And uh, John, the three synoptic authors are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John is a whole different bird. And I say bird because we see John associated with the eagle often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and his thoughts soared high above. St. Augustine said, John soared above the flesh. He soared beyond the earth, beyond the seas, beyond the air where the birds fly, beyond the sun, the moon, the stars, beyond all spirits which are unseen, beyond his own intelligence and his own thinking soul. So John uh, John sees things differently. John is inspired. They're all inspired by the Holy Spirit. But John just he, he sees the world differently, and his books are multi-layered and, and so symbolic. All right. So, okay, so uh, now the, the various gospel writers have various uh, literary techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the literary techniques that uh, John uses? Oh, wow. He, he is so great with dialogues. There'll be two people talking, 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 and then that dialogue all of a sudden will transition into a monologue, mm-hmm. and, and those are really fun. And then he is just a master with irony. He uses such great irony, and I'll point them out as we're going through the study, and then a lot of double meanings. And uh, it's just so rich. He'll also take us... Um, we get to go four times to Jerusalem in his gospel for different Jewish feast days. And so those feast days are so important to see how Christ is fulfilled in each feast because we do sprout from Judaism. Salvation came from the Jews, Jesus tells the Samaritan woman. And so all those feast days are important and we see them fulfilled in our Catholic faith. And it's just really beautiful when you see them in John's gospel. So he'll use a lot of techniques like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course... Uh uh, just another little sidebar here too. I mean, as we pray the rosary, you know, the, the all the rich mysteries oh, and everything in there. Yes, uh, that's a great opportunity for you to immerse yourself in Scripture, and particularly mm. John as well. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Um, how does John's prologue stand out? Well, we're going to go through the prologue next uh, next time I'm here. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it is just an absolute masterpiece. It is a symphony, and the movements go back and forth, back and forth between the Old Testament and New Testament. It starts in the beginning, and then it comes to a huge crescendo when uh, the climax says, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So God of the universe, who preexisted all, is going uh, through whom all things were made, is going to take on human flesh and tabernacle or dwell with us. And and John, there's so much just in that prologue, just in those few verses. It, it We could do a whole study on the prologue of John, but it's just absolutely mind-blowing when you really start picking it apart verse by verse. So I look forward to that next time, Bruce. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we will do uh, John's prologue uh, two weeks from today. Great, So uh, circle great. that one down. Great. Now, I think uh, one of the uh, hallmarks of John is uh, a lot of symbolism in his writings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe as, as we wade into that, what are the writings in the Bible that John is responsible for, Sharon? Oh, um, John, the Gospel of John. And then he has three letters, one John, two John, and three John. And then also the book of Revelation. Right. Which is our our mass and highly symbolic, you <laughs> yeah, know? Well, I'm saying, I guess when we get to uh, symbolism and writing, uh, certainly uh, Revelation uh, has uh, challenged mm. uh, biblical scholars uh, throughout the ages. That's right. That's our John. Yep. That's our beloved, right? That's absolutely right. Um, now, there are seven I am statements. Mm-hmm. And uh, why are these seven particularly important to John? Well, John's going to use a lot of sevens, Bruce. And... Um, it's just very interesting. Seven, uh, there were seven days of creation, and on the seventh day, God rested because he made covenant with his people, right? The covenant, he rests, he, he has a plan, a plan for all all people of all time. And so John's going to have seven signs, and he's going to have seven I am statements. And John is really wanting us to see the divinity of Christ. And where was the first time in the Bible that we hear that I am? You know, it's in Exodus 3 when Moses is on the mountain and, uh, and and God appears to him in the burning bush. And until this time, they didn't have a name for Yahweh. This is the first time the self-proclaimed name of Yahweh in Exodus 3. And he takes his sandals off because the place he's standing is holy ground. And he says, well, who, who, who are you? What is your name? And it's almost like a, a password you need to, to access a God in the olden days. You needed the name of the God, like you need a password on your computer to right. get, you know. And so God said, I am who I am. He gives his self-disclosed name to to Moses. And so John is going to take these seven I am statements and they're going to really disclose the divinity of Christ. He is, he is, he is, I am. And so the first one we'll see will be in John 6, I am the bread of life. And the second one is, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. And then at the very end, this those were the seven, but at the very end at John 19, when he's on the cross, he says, I am thirsty. You know, and I am thirsty for his word to get to know him better. It's just such an invitation. He is thirsting. He is thirsting for us. And we thirst for him. And there's that spot in our heart where nothing else is going to fill it. Nothing, nothing, nothing. But this thirst, this unquenchable thirst for something more. There's got to be something more. That something more is Jesus Christ. And he wants us and he calls us. And we're going to meet him in John's gospel face to face in person. The word of God made flesh. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. I mean, this is uh, definitely a great launching point. Um, Sharon, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the website as well here. We want to make sure that uh, people know about SeekingTruth.net. And uh, let them know about all the resources uh, that are available there as well. Right. Well, there's there's I, there's not um, we're full for the year, unfortunately. Right. For, our yeah, class, for the study our, our class is full, and um, so I, I uh, that we're going to have to. We just could use a lot of prayers. Um, how to go forward? If more people want to take it, how can we grow? Uh, right now, there is a great hunger, and it's just so exciting. And it's really God's study. I mean, He has orchestrated this. It's nothing I could make happen or do on my own. I'm just so thankful to be a part of it. I'm thankful to Creighton Prep um, for offering their building to us. Uh, the Jesuits have been so generous in letting us use their space. And um, um, I, I I don't know if the website really has anything for them if they're not a registered member. Mm-hmm. But possibly in the future, we, we do want to get the gospel out and share it. And, and so this is, Bruce, I have had cancer twice. And so I promised the Lord, um, if he spared my life, you know how you make those deals with God? Mm-hmm. Be yeah. careful what you yeah. tell him. Because <laughs> I, I, I told the Lord that, that if he spared my life, I would share the gospel with anyone who would listen, anyone who wanted to hear I would share the gospel with. And so he has put things in my lap, literally, chances to share the gospel. And so I do, I do feel it's a calling, and I do feel like I, I want to be faithful. And so uh, right after I leave here, I go to UNO, and I work with the focus missionaries at the College of uh, UNO and College of St. Mary's, and I give them this same John study, and that is delightful, because then they go out and give Bible studies on the campuses to, mm-hmm. to, to kids under them. So what a beautiful time that is with those missionaries, focus missionaries, who are just so on fire for, for God and going after souls. And this is a battle, that we are in a battle for souls, eternal battle. And uh, our culture is just so blind to it. And, and John's big on that. John's big on these themes of light and darkness and, and the theme of the hour. The hour's coming. The hour's not here. The hour, the hour, the hour. We're going to be waiting for the hour. And the hour that we're waiting for, this great, great hour, turns out to be the hour on the cross. Mm-hmm. Just opposite of what the world would think. But it's that hour that brings eternal glory. And, and in that obedience to the Father, uh, it's just so beautiful as, as we... Uh, so, so there's themes also, theme of the hour, lightness, darkness. We'll see that in the prologue. We'll unfold some of those next time. But, yeah, yeah. Well, you've got a mission. Yes, <laughs> yes, there's a lot to do. There's well, and, and like I said, you know, the, the wonderful work you're doing with uh, our focus missionaries, of course, uh, that's a way to, uh, you know, really reach out to a lot of our uh, separated uh, brothers and sisters in the, in the Protestant denominations uh, uh, because uh, the Bible is the big book everyone carries mm-hmm. around, and I think it is so important that as Catholics, uh, we really embrace the Bible and uh, you know learn all we can and and go out and share that with people. That's right, and just like just the misinformation, like some Catholics, you know, say, "Oh, well, we don't read the Bible." Well, yes, we do. You know, if you go to Mass, you're in, in, you know, in three years, you'll have the whole Bible mm-hmm. pretty much read. So, we do read the Bible. We treasure the Bible. We preserve the Bible. You know, we we. Uh, it's just exciting to see this Catholic hunger for Scripture. Just uh, and and John is a great place to go for Lexio, uh, the ancient form of praying with Scripture, because because something will pop as as you're reading through John's Gospel and just meditating on it, a word or a symbol or a picture uh, pops in your mind and, and you can create a scene with the Lord. 
an absolute scene with him, mm-hmm. just sitting with him and the word. And, and John's a great place to start for Lexio. All right. Sharon Dorn with us this morning. Sharon, thanks so much. Oh, uh, my pleasure. We deeply appreciate it. And uh, we're looking forward uh, two weeks from today. All right. Uh, we will uh, get rolling on John in earnest here with uh, John's prologue, uh, chapter one. Then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Amen. All right. Sharon Dorn, everyone. Thanks, Sharon. We appreciate it. God bless you. You too.